Everything happens for a reason. God has a plan. God knows best. God is in control. Really? The world is full of wars. People walk into schools with automatic weapons. Children go to bed hungry. COVID-19 has killed over a quarter of a million people and counting. The world economy has collapsed. God is in control? Welcome to Deeply Spiritual But Rather Uncertain. I've heard this phrase, God is in control, over and over in my life. In fact, I've used the phrase plenty of times. I've been a pastor for 25 years, and part of the job of a pastor is to try to bring hope to people that are struggling. And this one phrase is always a good go-to phrase when you don't know what else to say. At least we know that God is in control. But man, it's hard to see sometimes. When I look at the world and I think about a God that is loving and caring, it's hard to say that he's in control because if he is, he's doing a lousy job of it. For years, I said, God is in control even though I can't see it. Or I don't know why this is happening, but I know that God is in control. After a while, I started to feel like I was making excuses for God. Is God in control when 250,000 people die in a few short months because of a virus? Is God in control when a child is raped or physically abused? Was God in control back in the 1960s in America when God-loving black men were lynched just because they were black? Is God in control when 56 million abortions happen every year worldwide? Is God in control when a gay man is beaten to death just because he was born with a different sexual preference? But to think that God might not be in control is almost unthinkable. We always use this phrase when something bad happens, when the proverbial poop hits the fan. It's in those times that we realize we are not in control, that we want to say that God is in control. Because if I'm not in control, and God's not in control, then we have a serious problem on our hands. I've been thinking about this, and so I ask on Facebook what people thought the meaning of that phrase was, and I never thought I would get such a large number of people replying. Every answer I got was really helpful, and I was thinking this through, so thanks for all of you that replied. I really appreciate it. But I did get a variety of answers for sure, which tells me a couple of really interesting things. First, there is not really a consensus around this topic. We all see something different. But more importantly, when we read someone's media post that says God is in control, we read it through our own personal filter, our own understanding of the phrase, which may be very different from the intent of the person that actually posted it. 
See, that's the problem with these Christianese phrases. We just repeat things that have always been said, and we claim it as truth. But the truth is that it means 30 different things to 30 different people. We really don't know what it means. When I hear the phrase, God is in control, I think about the circumstances. Is God in control of what is going on around me? But what is clear is that many of you see it totally differently. You think in terms of your personal response to the circumstances and your need to trust God in the midst of the circumstances. For many, it seems, God is in control is synonymous with God can be trusted. In other words, I can trust God to get me through the circumstances. Or maybe we can say it this way. When I say God is in control, it's kind of an act of surrender. I surrender control of my life to God. That is really beautiful, and I so appreciate that perspective. I will come back to that a little later in the podcast. First, let's talk about the circumstances of our world. Who is actually in control of what is going on? In your Facebook comments, the word sovereignty came up, so let's talk about it for a minute. But before we get into it, let me preface this with the understanding that this is something that theologians have debated for many, many years and probably will for many, many more years to come. Let me also make the point that I've made from the beginning of this podcast. I'm not trying to get everybody to think like I think, but I am trying to get you to think. When you say God is in control, what does it actually mean? Is it something you just repeat because somebody told you it was true? Or have you worked it out in your own heart and mind? The words control and sovereignty are very similar words. Sovereignty in Christian terms means that God is the supreme authority and all things are under his control, full stop. Easton's Dictionary defines God's sovereignty as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. While I don't know any credible Christian theological position that would deny God's sovereignty— there are many varied views on how that plays out in the world and the question of how much does God really control. Modern evangelicalism has had two main positions with all kinds of permutations in between. On one side, you have the reform position. You may know this view as Calvinism, because it was John Calvin that really clarified this during the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s. God's sovereignty is very clearly seen in the Calvinist view of salvation. According to Calvin, a person has no free will when it comes to salvation. It is predestined by God, and that is it. 
Grace is only available to those he has elected or predestined. God chooses who will go to heaven. And then by the fact that some are not chosen, who is destined for hell. According to Calvin and many modern Reformed pastors today, grace is not available to everybody. Grace is only given to the elect, those that God has chosen. But also, when you have been chosen to receive grace, there is no way you can resist. For the Reformed person, God is absolutely in control of everything. Nothing happens that he doesn't will. Everything happens according to his plan and his intention. So tsunamis, earthquakes, acts of terrorism, and the coronavirus are all in God's control and somehow part of his plan. They would say it's not for us to try to figure that out. It's just for us to believe that God is sovereign and that he can act in any way that pleases him. And I guess for some reason, the mess of this world pleases him. There are plenty of brilliant Reformed theologians and authors in our world. People like John MacArthur, Tim Keller, John Piper are common names among evangelical Christians. I could get in trouble here, but usually there are a few other issues that go hand in hand with the modern Reformed movement. And again, I'm speaking very generally because there are always exceptions. But usually, they take a pretty literal view of Scripture and stand strongly on inerrancy and the infallibility of Scripture. They also often take a very strong stance against women teaching, preaching, and leading in the church. And at least in America— they're often very conservative politically. I remember back in the early 2000s when I first started listening to Mark Driscoll at Mars Hill in Seattle. I was blown away because his theological position was very reformed, and yet he swore while he preached and he drank beer. Calvinists didn't usually do that. Mark was the beginning of a new generation of young, hip, reformed pastors. But when you boil it down, it was the same old theology in skinny jeans. Let me state for the record, in case you haven't figured it out, I totally reject the reformed theology. I am not down with it in any way, shape, or form. On the other side of the equation is what theologians call Armenian theology. At least from the Facebook post, probably more of our listeners would fall into this camp. It believes that humans have free will, especially when it comes to salvation. The Holy Spirit convicts us, but we make the choice to follow or to turn away. Of course, our decisions come with eternal consequences, but we are free to choose. 
When it comes to the circumstances around us, Armenians would suggest that much of what happens is because people choose evil, and that has an impact on our world. The actions of my free will impact the people around me. However, ultimately, God has to allow it or to sign off on it, as it were. And when it comes to acts of God in nature, God doesn't actually cause it, but they would say he allows it. That argument still leaves some people flat. Yes, there's a difference between God acting on something and God allowing something. But if God is loving and kind, why would he even allow it? If I allowed my children to play on the expressway and they got hit by a car, would I be considered a good parent? Or would I still be culpable in some way? My friend Mads Dazel makes a great comment on Facebook in talking about the difference between control and sovereignty. It comes from a course that she has written and recorded. It is available online called The Wholeness Course. It really is fantastic. So let me put a plug in for Mads. I'll put a link in the notes below. But here's what she said on Facebook. Control means having absolute dominion over something. Governing through a manipulative power that forces people in circumstances to conform to the will of the one in control. Control removes the choice of others. Sovereignty, Mad says, is absolute ownership. It's the state of highest authority with submission to no higher authority, governing through delegated authority, offering choices with consequences attached. It's on my Facebook page if you want to go back and read that again. But Mads nails the Calvinism-Armenianism debate. Her definition of control is the Calvinistic position, while her definition of sovereignty is the Armenian position. It's that simple. But there's another theological idea that is gaining a lot of traction in evangelical circles recently, although it has been around for a really long time. It's called open theism. It's called that because they believe that God has left much of the future open. He doesn't actually control it like a puppet on a string, but rather he enters into it to live in it and to experience it with us. Open theism seeks to ask the question, is God in control? And if so, how much is he in control? Or sometimes they ask the question this way, is the future completely settled? Open theists would say that some things are settled. So, for example, God becoming human in the form of Jesus and being crucified was settled. It was part of God's plan. But at the same time, there is much that God has left unsettled. So, for example, did Judas have to betray Jesus? Because if he did, if he had no choice in the matter, it would be a rather horrible God, wouldn't you say? 
I mean, imagine God saying, I'm going to pick you, Judas, to take a bribe, to betray all of your friends, then to commit suicide because you're so upset, and then burn in hell forever. You have no choice in the matter because I, God, am in control. Bad luck for you. I believe that even Judas, like all of us, had a choice for evil or good. He didn't have to betray Jesus. But then the question comes up, so is God all-knowing? Does he know everything that's going to happen? Both Calvinism and Arminianism would say, yes, absolutely. But open theism would say, yes, as well, but with a little bit of a twist. They would say that the future is actually a list of possibilities, and God knows all of those possibilities, but he doesn't know which of those possibilities we will choose. We are actually free agents. God doesn't control or manipulate our choices in any way. We are free to choose. That's just a really short snapshot of three theological views on this issue. I would encourage you to do the research yourself. If the open theism idea is new to you, um, there are a number of great authors on the subject. God of the Possible is a book by Greg Boyd. And it's a great read. Um, Also, A God Who Risks by John Sanders is great. I'll put the links to both of those in the notes below. Understand that these are not like three clear positions. They're actually hundreds of positions. And there, there are some people that are in the middle between Calvinism, Arminianism, and, or those that are mostly Armenian with a leaning towards open theism. But it's, it's just all over the map. It's actually quite messy. But then you know I'm okay with that. But I certainly lean toward the open theist view of understanding how God acts in the world for a couple of reasons. First, it helps me to get a better handle on evil in this world. For me to say that God is in complete control of what I see in the world is hard for me to come to terms with. To say that God has left the future open helps me to see that it's not God that's messing everything up. We are. Secondly, it helps me to see that the way I live my life matters. I love the story in Isaiah chapter 6 when God comes to Isaiah in this very strange vision and he explains that he needs a messenger. The people are getting everything messed up and he needs someone to go and share the message of God. God asked this question, who will go for me? And Isaiah's response was, here am I, send me. Now get this, he didn't command Isaiah, nor do I think he was just manipulating Isaiah into doing what he wanted. Isaiah actually had a choice. He could have said no. Others in the Bible said no. Take the story of the rich young ruler that we see in three out of four of the Gospels. This guy asked Jesus what he should do. It's like, what's the next step in my journey? 
How many of us have asked God that question before? God, there has to be more for me than this. What is it? Anyway, this guy comes to Jesus and he asks him that same question that many of us have asked Jesus. And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give your money to the poor, and then follow me. The guy basically says no and then walks away. I wonder the difference he could have made had he said yes. How many lives would have been impacted if he had said yes? But he didn't. He was free to walk away, and that is what he did. And so people that needed help didn't get it. Not to mention the joy that comes in serving others was denied to this young man because of his choice. Oh, it didn't impact his standing with God. God didn't love him any less because he said no, but the world around him was lesser for it. The decisions we make, the things we do in this world matter. So back to our question. Is God really in control? To that, I would answer no. God doesn't do control. She participates. Is God sovereign? Absolutely. Ephesians says God is above all, but then it goes on to say that God is in all and through all. She participates. I use the feminine here not just to freak you out. Okay, maybe a little bit. But I do it on purpose because if we only see God as male, then sovereignty and control are easy to see because that's what men do, right? But to also see the feminine side of God, to refer to God as she, makes it so much more normal to see her as participative rather than controlling. I did a few episodes a while back around the feminine God that you can go back to if you haven't heard them. But here's my point before I get totally sidetracked. When we see evil in our world, when we see natural destruction happening, we don't have to blame it on God. God hasn't planned it or even allowed it. He doesn't sign off on evil. Natural disasters are not acts of God, as the insurance companies call them. It's just what happens in a broken world. Nor do we have to make everything God's problem. God, you are in control, so I don't really have to do anything because I know you've got it all covered, so I can just sit back and chill. But... And, and this is a very big but, so I don't want you to miss it. God is not in control, but God is with us. This God we love and serve, this God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, this God who has made us in their image is an incarnational God. As I quoted earlier, God is above all and in all. And through all, that's incarnation. Philippians 2, God is above all, but he chose to be incarnate. 
He chose to be with us. And this is what I think a lot of you were getting at on Facebook. God is at work in us and through us, and we can rest in that. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be lovely in the end. It doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfectly. But God is with us, and he will take what is disruption in our lives, or even disaster, and bring us out on the other side better and stronger than we were before we went in. I think that's what Romans 8.28 means when it says that God is working all things for our good. Not that he's in control of all things. Not that he is manipulating all things so we remain comfortable. Not that he's making sure our lives are easy, but rather that he is there with us in the mess. He will walk with us all the way to the other side and will help us to come out to a new and a better normal. I don't believe God caused the coronavirus. I don't believe that God even signed off on the coronavirus. But I do think he is there with us as we try to figure out how to navigate our way through it, and he will be there when we get to the other side stronger and better than we were before. And if we are made in the image of that God, it means that we are called to be incarnational as well. We are called to go into the world and make a difference, knowing that God is with me and that God is around me and that God is in all. If all of that raises any questions, drop me a note, either on social media or on my website. I'd love to interact with you on this if you would like. And if you think this might be helpful for others, please let them know about it. Also, people have been responding to my Patreon page. I am so excited about that. Thank you. But if you can help, even if it's just a dollar a month, which is just under 20 bucks South African, go to patreon.com forward slash Skip Collins. Every little bit helps. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe. Be at peace. Shalom. Shalom.